Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. You okay? Yeah. I, I'm i having <laughs> such a wild 48 hours in my brain. I don't know what's going on, but I just feel so off. Oh, well, Mercury is retrograde right now, and I think that's part of the problem, at least for me. Well, you just you just said that, that it, and I was like, oh, that might be it. I But, like, yeah, yesterday, every single thing was, like, wrong in my head. Like, every single thing I got confused by, even if I had information about it. <laughs> and I just, like, would... Like, I feel like there were so many times where even you and I had miscommunications because my own brain would just stumble for no reason. And I don't know what's going on in my head. Yeah, yesterday was rough all around, at least in our sphere. We had all sorts of mishaps and miscommunications and confusion and, like, missing links. And, oh, my God, it was... Yesterday yesterday was a bad day for us. Not you and I, but, uh, like... Just, like... Uh, behind the scenes stuff trying to figure things out yeah but i so i also yeah. feel like my own brain wouldn't let me like contribute as much as i was trying or i would try and then like maybe i was overthinking and then i would like backpedal on myself by act like i ended up being so counterproductive by trying to be productive anyway i also just woke up so i haven't processed yesterday so i just still feel weird <laughs> about how stupid my brain was working and so i don't know i just feel weird for no reason well i had to take a clonopin and go lay in my bed in the dark and count to 100 so i feel like i was there with you um and yeah, our manager called and was like, my friend says Mercury is in retrograde. And I was like, well, your friend is correct. Is uh, <laughs> your friend a millennial? Because it's the first <laughs> thing I always want to use to complain about things. Oh, well, I'm sorry you were frazzled. I was right there with you. I feel like I just was missing chunks of information. I do too, but I feel like you were more on top of it because I even, there were... 
I don't even know how many times anymore. I feel like there were times yesterday where I was like, I need to just call Christine and figure this out. And then there were times where I did and times where I didn't. And both times, like nothing got solved for me. And not because <laughs> you weren't being helpful, but because my own brain was like moving at like 5%. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. But like, I just yesterday, I remember thinking halfway through, I was like, today's just not my day. I think if I told everybody I don't want to work. I probably I'd be equally useful like I, I just felt so weird and so I don't know what was going on I don't know if it's like part of like COVID like maybe I was having a brain fog day or something but I don't know I have no idea but I just felt really weird so I'm sorry it if was, I was annoying yesterday you I weren't it was rough everyone was annoying including everything was annoying I should say it was like one of those days where I feel like everyone was pulling their hair out and nobody else could fix the problem. Maybe everyone was so overwhelmed. We just kept bumping into each other instead of like, instead of merging, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I'm, I'm a millennial. I will blame Mercury. I don't. Okay. I don't know if that's the case, but. um, Well, if I'm acting weird, it's not you. I just still haven't like thought about how crappy yesterday was. It was a crappy day, but. It was not fun. Today is Blaze's day off. So I'm very happy because. Now I get some time to do my stuff, like record with you. Oh, I thought for a second I was going to, I, in my head, see, I thought that that meant, oh, Blaze's day off. So you're going to go have a great day with Blaze. Not like, oh, you have to work. Well, I have to work now. (laughs) I know. And now it makes sense. But at first I was like, oh, I'm so happy you're going to like have a day to like cool off after yesterday. Well, once you and I are done, then yeah, then Blaze and I can hang out. So, I mean, you know, we get our time. Um, as parents, what is your, have your interests or things you do together changed? Like, Oh, great question. Okay. This is what I keep telling people who are either expecting or are like thinking about having a baby is that I, I, maybe it's just my anxiety and my mind and the way I (laughs) perceive the world, but I feel like there's a lot of fear mongering about like becoming a parent and it, you know, people kind of turn it into this, like, I mean, it's obviously a huge deal. Don't get me wrong. And it's obviously like life changing, but I feel like people make it seem as though like you're bound to just lose yourself and ruin your marriage. And it's going to be so difficult. And I mean, again, maybe it's being a child of divorce. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I had this total all consuming fear that like, I was not going to ever be able to do the things I used to do that like blazes. My relationship would be super strained and I feel like for me, at least, none of that has been true. Like, it's been oh, good. difficult because obviously raising a human is difficult. But I feel like we do just as much, if not more, now than we did before. Like, we just take her with us. So, like, to, I don't know, outings and um, anything that we used to do, like, just out and about, we take her with us now. So, it's, like, fun. Um, and... I I don't know that our interests have changed. I think it's more that just like we have kind of a shared like I was trying to tell Allison this when she visited and I kept saying the word project and that sounds so bad. But like, I mean, raising a person, I'm right. Pretty cynical about any family building. So I could. Yeah, you can tell me exactly how I went into this, like very cynical. And it's like, yeah, I went into it with like worse expectations as far as like, oh, my God, this is going to be just like the constant uphill battle. But I feel like it's actually a lot of it is just really fun. And like mm. exciting and like, I don't know, Blaze and I are different because we have a kid now, but like we get to kind of do that together for the first time. So I just think it's been really fun. And, you know, tomorrow, like there's a big flea market um, in downtown Cincinnati. We're going to go there and like, I don't know, have a beer and shop around and explore. How, so I- ac- how actively different is uh, 
your alone time together is it just that there is none at, no before that's the other or? thing we now that the baby goes to bed at like seven or eight and like sleeps through the night we just have the whole evening we make dinner we watch movies we like hang out huh it, like nice. it's nothing in that regard has changed either which i think maybe is the key in that like we were able to get her to go to bed between like seven and eight and then that gives us a whole evening free gotcha so that, that, that makes more sense it's been really nice can go back to your roots yeah and so now we like watch like because that was my other fear i was like oh my god we're never gonna be able to watch like our shows anymore like we have so many different tv shows we like to watch together but like now she just goes to bed at seven and we have our little baby monitor and we watch like ozark and it's you know <laughs> life is good <laughs> and we good. have a glass of wine and it's so anyway if you're out there and you're like oh my god petrified it is a lot of work and it's very hard but it's also a lot of fun and people I feel like kind of overshadow the the fun part with all the scariness. So I mean that does sound uh like generally like a a nice message but in my personal selfish circumstance I would still not have a relationship with Allison because she goes to bed at seven too. So oh, right. Yes. Well, <laughs> I mean, obviously like, it's okay. very dependent on everybody's circumstances. <laughs> I know. So Allison, if you're listening, we can't have kids until you learn how to go to bed later. Got it. Okay, cool. Okay, great. Well, that, that's yeah, that's how that'll work. I, um, while we're being selfish, can I make like a, a selfish little shout out that has nothing to do with our podcast? <laughs> Sure. As a, a shout out to your child or something? What? <laughs> no. She has everything to do with our podcast. We're oh, already right. yeah. grooming her to be the next star to, to yeah. take my place so I don't have to work anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. This is just a... I, I think I've already mentioned this once, so I'll be brief, but Alexander and I are doing two live shows in Ohio oh, in yeah. Cincinnati and Columbus uh, uh, June 8th and 9th. And we've sold... A f- we've sold... We haven't sold out. And my brother said, if we sell out, I can buy the American Girl doll that matches what I look like. Uh-huh. Well, well, I know I have a request, even though I'm not involved at all in BHT Sandy, but uh, you have to dress like the American Girl doll to <laughs> manifest it, and I have to see the outfit. And that's the thing. He said I can take her on stage with me if we sell out the tickets, but he says I'm not allowed to purchase her unless we sell them out because I think he thinks we won't sell out, and he knows he doesn't want that in his life so if you are listening and you want to do we we still have meet and greet tickets available we're doing meet and greet so if you want to come we're in cincinnati columbus june 8th and 9th if you want to see me matching my creepy american girl doll uh living out my childhood dreams anyway that's all (laughs) how are you em i well now i have something to look forward to in life Uh, just (laughs) watching you get dressed up like a little you know it is the perfect outfit for you to like stand at the end of halls in the middle of the night and just stare at somebody <laughs> it feels very shining okay but i went and made like my own matching one with um, your cricket what where no no <laughs> i wish i could do that but like i made one and i sent it to my brother in the middle of the night and i said like i, I need this and he was like go to bed and so i posted it on beach to sandy and everybody is like oh you sh-. so here she is I'll show you. Um, she honestly, has... you already look like her. That's she... what I'm saying. I made her to match me. She oh, has oh, oh, oh. Well, a trashy, classy headband. She has a little jean jacket. She has a line, like a little tiger shirt. She has and her a... pink Doc Martens. Her pink Doc Martens. Her coffee cup. Um, and then at the bottom, I made it say, "I love you, Christine." You're a sicko. Because <laughs> I'm like, unwell. <laughs> yeah, uh, truly unhinged. But I think that's. Does she know she's unhinged? That sweet little American girl doll. She's learning pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like in her little bio, it's what's the would the girl's name be? Christine too. Um. Obviously, yes. 
gross. Well, <laughs> I wish Christine you the best. Jr. <laughs> little, little, little C. <laughs> Any Kremit? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway so yeah life has not changed that life has changed a lot since having a baby but i feel like i'm just the people who hoped i would advance in my maturity are i was gonna say yeah your sanity has flatlined <laughs> for sure <laughs> yes anyway that's all sorry that's me just talking and talking your ear off I, that's what I, we literally have a podcast because I loved it so much when you would do that five years ago. I still haven't changed for some reason, Aww. even though you've given me many reasons to. I try, I try to push you away. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I like the chase. I feel like I need to save you. So, um, Thank okay. You. It hasn't so, worked yet, but maybe no, someday. That's that's part of the adventure with you, Christine. <laughs> It'll never, we'll never uh, find our happy place. We'll always be chasing each other. It's the journey, okay. you know. That's it, you know, it's the journey and the mystere and the whimsy. Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long-term commitments or contracts just go to stamps.com click the microphone at the top of the page and enter code drink okay here's a haunted place for you christine great this is the wyoming frontier prison Woo! i like it already 
I also like it, but I feel like I, at some point there's going to be a note that I, I remember telling myself I need to look that up and I didn't. So we're going to figure out how quickly that bullet comes up. I'll okay. Google it. Oh, okay. Hey, great. So the Wyoming frontier prison, we never cover Wyoming. Um, no. it is sadly one of those States. I think the world often forgets is a state. Um, hi Wyoming. We love you and we see you. We see you today. The W's are often forgotten, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of a W that is immediately Wisconsin? screamed about. Milwaukee? Wisconsin. How many are there? West Virginia, Wisconsin, Wyoming? Don't do this to me as if I'm supposed to fucking know. Okay. Well, hey. Uh, hmm. Well, okay. Washington. Why- oh, see, that one is the most popular, and that's the one I forgot. Okay, whatever. I forgot. This I, is a fun game that we're playing, though. Yeah, everyone in Wisconsin, West Virginia are like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I do think, by the way, of all the states, I think Wyoming is spelled the coolest. Like, visually, I enjoy Wyoming mm. the most. Like, who would have expected a W and a Y back to back? Not I. And together, they literally spell out the the sound of Y. Ooh. I feel like... I feel like they, they go well together because they make sense together when you pronounce them. That's beautiful, Em. Thank you. Um, okay. So this prison is also known as the Old Pen, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, some sources were just calling it Old Pen the whole time, and then I freaked out that I was covering two locations by accident. But <laughs> they are fun. the same place. Okay. Uh, this is in Rollins, Wyoming. And this story starts in... 1888 to 1890 because different sources had different years um i think it was 1888 that wyoming officially becomes a state and they needed to build a state penitentiary i like how that's like first on the docket they're like okay well obviously bad people are gonna be here so let's fix that parks and rec's sound that they use on tiktok like Right you go to jail. jail. Right, to, right jail. to jail. Right to jail. You go to Wyoming, Wyoming jail. Wyoming's state, jail. <laughs> <laughs> the internet tells me Wyoming was founded in 1890. I don't know if you need that information or not. So that's why I put 1888 to 1890 because 1890 is when Wyoming became a state, but two years oh. before is when the jail started getting built, which was oh. before Wyoming became Priorities. a state. Priorities. So I don't know if they just had a feeling Wyoming was going to totally become a state and they were like, let's get this started now. Right to jail. Right to the construction of jail. Okay, so Wyoming becomes a state and somehow two years before they break ground on a jail, before Wyoming's even here. I That part I don't totally understand. Um, but the government was allotted $75,000 to build this prison, which at the time, are, in today's world, is $2.4 million. Woohoo! I always forget how expensive jails are because they, I feel like they give off such an appearance of being barren right. that in my mind, I'm like, oh, so you just put poured some concrete and that's as far as we got. But right. like, yeah, I'm aware there's like programs and things like that. You gotta feed them. Gotta feed them. Um, so since the prison, I guess there was originally before there was even an official state of Wyoming, there was a prison in Laramie. Um, which was called, aha, uh-huh, this was what I was going to look up. Uh, in Laramie, there was a prison called the Wyoming Territorial Prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know if I've covered that or not, but I forgot to check our episode list. Okay, I'm looking right now. Thank Let's you. Let's see if I got it. 
I've covered something with the word territorial in it. I think that was Yuma, though. That or was Yuma. Damn. Okay. You covered so I haven't... Yuma, so you have not covered this one. Okay. Well, um, so... and you covered Yuma in an episode called Spicy Highways and the New Brazilian Evangelical Gay Church of Murderers. <laughs> what? The way Eva what? picks the titles is out of control. <laughs> that was before Eva, I think. Was no, it? Maybe... I don't know. Was that all you? Uh, might have I don't know that was right when Eva I think was starting so it could have been very much either of us it could but have been we, a collab one of us effort. said it probably you so it uh I think I say things and then the two of you are like aha title idea okay okay <laughs> we're all perfectly uh the melting pot of unhinged I think when it comes to title making <laughs> Okay, so uh, the prison in Laramie, which was known as the Wyoming Territorial Prison, it was doing a decent enough job as a prison that I think even though they had started uh, breaking ground on building this new prison, just people hadn't started moving to Wyoming yet. And so there wasn't a huge high priority for this prison to get finished quickly. So even though they agreed to a budget of like, basically $2.4 million. It took 13 years to finish because of so many delays and dragging their feet. Oh, okay. Um, fun fact, it was uh, designed by the same architects who were responsible for Alcatraz. And I feel like oh. I say that about a lot of prisons. Yeah, maybe they were just, they had like a, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, you know, this thing. A corporation that was a really good idea. Uh, they... <laughs> They knew how to, they knew how to design a prison or two or three. Yeah, they had a uh, a stronghold on oh. prison making. I don't know the right word that I'm trying to think of, but yeah, they had like the uh, they the the, the the patent, I guess. I guess so. They were they. I do feel like for as many haunted prisons as I talk about, they at least are on the map for haunted prison designs. Yeah, yeah. They are. Uh, they. I keep trying to say it, and it's not happening. So you just keep going. Okay, a chokehold. Chokehold is maybe that's a very aggressive one. That that could hmm. be. That's okay. We'll get there and like I'll three yell years. it in about twenty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. It's like the time we yelled. Oh, so it's like episode one or something. And all of a sudden, we. Yelled, I feel like, like it happens a lot where we <laughs> scream something that doesn't right. make sense, whether or not it ever made sense. <laughs> um. So in nineteen oh one, the construction was finally done. So they start, that's why I'm saying. It started in 1988 because it was said everywhere. It took 13 years to finish. 13 Did you years say to finish. 1988. <laughs> Sorry, 1888. Okay. <laughs> and so it took 13 years to finish. That was all over all these different sources, which means that 1901 is the official year that the construction was finally done. Mm -hmm. And inmates from Wyoming Territorial Prison and Laramie were gradually transferred over to the Wyoming Frontier Prison. Okay. I don't know why they didn't just turn the original prison into a stronger better one like and just like save money and i mean they already had a penitentiary right Weird. i don't know okay i don't know how jail planners work <laughs> um so it started out with one cell block called block a and it was 104 cells which were very small um there was no electricity there was no running water there was no heat and there was no hot water until 1978. Oh, gosh. But they had 13 years to plan this out and couldn't fit any of that in there with their $2 million budget. Was there, but they probably didn't have much of that back in the 1800s, right? I mean, I'm sure they, they had it, but it was probably not a priority for prisoners. 
Yeah, I don't know if that... I Maybe it wasn't a common thing, but either way, that fucking sucks. Then why <laughs> do you have $2 million? Once again, I'm with you. I'm like, if you're not I, putting in pipes, what are you doing with $2 million? I feel like if the point was for this to be like the state penitentiary, like the one that every... The jail that everyone's talking about, why wouldn't you want it to like at least have a little heat, you know? You'd like, think so. In Wyoming? It's cold up there. Boy, apparently on a good night without heat, the weather would get to t- only 20 degrees warmer than outside. So, oh, boy. Okay. So some in some parts of the prison never got proper heating. Um, and those parts would sometimes only get up to like 50 degrees. So jeez. Oh, when it came to prison inmates, it was very quickly overcrowding. And so they added um, 34 more cells, which I feel like 34 is not a lot of cells when there's like significant overcrowding that... It was so bad, it demanded you to build. I feel like 34 is not enough, no. but okay. Um, and eventually, two whole new cell blocks were built. So there was um, the B cell, which was built in 1950, and that was solitary confinement. Yikes. Mm. And then there was the C block, which was built in 1966, and that was maximum security. Um, I think there might have also been a woman's unit. But, um, and I say maybe because in the first few years, 11 women were incarcerated there, but a different source, multiple different sources said, oh, well, one of the worst planning parts of this was that they had no woman's unit and the women lived amongst the men, which yikes. And within like eight years, Calciparese, they were all transferred to a different prison, probably because the situation was so terrible for them. Yeah, I imagine. Um, the original cell doors had skeleton key locks and, uh, prisoners quickly learned how to pick those and escape. So this prison for the first few years was just riddled with escape attempts. Okay. Um, one of the big changes was in 1917. So 16 years after the prison was built, 16 years after a lot of escape attempts, the prison finally put in a boston bar system which i guess locked everyone in their cells with just like one switch and that kept everyone locked in it It was like all maybe electric i don't know um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but the first few years had a lot of escapes uh or at least a lot of attempts and multiple that resulted in guards being killed Mm -hmm. um probably the biggest escape attempt that i saw was in 1912 30 prisoners altogether tried climbing through barbed wire Oh, ow, ow, ow. Oh, no. Yeah, which makes me wonder, the conditions had to have been terrible for that to be worth it, you know? That's scary. Um, Also, a few years later, the walls and towers and additional construction were finally finished, and I guess that's what finally started keeping the escapes down. Um, But that one escape of 30 people was in 1912. Also in 1912, uh, the prison had one of its more famous murders between inmates. Okay. So there was a woman that lived nearby the jail called Esther Higgins, and she was known as the pie lady um, (laughs) because she would bring inmates pies every week, and the inmates loved her because I am assuming with conditions that I've already described, they probably also didn't have great food. I mean, you don't, I don't have to be in jail. I could be living my life eating smoked salmon every day. You bring me a pie, I'll still love you. Honestly, that's so true. I have, I'm very lucky and I have everything in the world. If Esther Higgins knocked on my door with a pie, 
she's my favorite person on earth. Uh, come, come on in. And so she uh, would bring inmates pie every week and they all loved her. But one inmate named Frank Wigfall, when he finally got out of prison, he tracked her down. He essayed her um, to the full, fullest extent. And then he killed her. Oh my and, God. Uh, I don't know if he, I don't know what the story is there. I don't know if maybe he thought they were in love or something and he stalked her. I don't, I'm not sure what happened, but it ended with him R wording her and killing her. And he ended up obviously getting found and brought back to prison. And then he had to face all of the inmates who loved the pie lady and they fucked him up. Like yeah. they, I mean, that was like the only probably constant nice person coming into their this is into the jail so bad and so um they all rounded up together at a block they dragged him up the stairs to the second floor of the walk-up and they put a noose around his neck (gasps) and they threw him over oh my god um i will say he was a man of color so um it feels it feels a little on the nose that he was lynched. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I feel like I don't know if that's important information for people to know, but it just feels like the like there might have been a race issue there on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um what year was that again? This was uh 1912. Okay. I don't I don't know the the state of the country in terms of race relations at not the time. good <laughs> probably not super awesome so um i don't know if it's important that that's how they killed him but it it might be important and i'm unaware of that so i feel like i should address it anyway um so that's how he died where he was thrown over the um the walk up which is also like in an additional way, like intimately horrible because it was in such a public space of the jail where people just probably walked by him for the rest of the day. Ooh. You know what I mean? Um, or at least until guards Someone. could go grab right, him. Right. Um, so Frank Wigfall was known is probably one of the more popular inmates that's known to have gone to the jail at this point, maybe because of his story. Sure. But other inmates that were, um, other inmates that stayed in this jail were Annie Bruce, who apparently killed her father with a poisoned plum pie. So there's two plum ladies oh, in the story. Oh, gosh. Then I think you covered him. If not, you covered his twin. Um, train robber William Carlisle, a.k.a. the Gentleman Bandit, who oh. he was so he was known as the Gentleman Bandit because he never shot anybody. And he always apologized to women and kids for bothering them. I mean, that was Who? the one we did like two weeks ago. Yeah, it, it was. It, was that the same person, William Carlyle? Uh, Does I that think, sound right? Oh my god, I don't. I feel like I just kept calling him. No, I don't think that was the name. Well, he didn't just steal money from people; he stole someone's title. So I covered Milton Sharp, the inconvenient outlaw. Oh, the inconvenient outlaw, not the gentleman bandit. But they right. do sound great together. Right. I like. I kind of like their their story. We should write a little. A fanfic of them (laughs) being best friends. I love Um, it. Well, so a very similar. They're enemies, but they're so polite (gasps) that they just are like, pardon me, sir. This is my train that I'm robbing. 
there's that Nickelodeon writer brain. <laughs> She's still in there, folks. What happened to this plant? Why is it like approaching me? Um, it it's an executive producer at Nickelodeon, and I heard your pitch, and it's obsessed now. <laughs> it's like, excuse me, excuse me. It's like on top of me. Is that new? Or no. has it been on top of you? It's been here for a long time. Okay. That's better. Oh. Well, okay. So this gentleman bandit was another person who stayed in this prison. Another guy who I don't know anything about, but his name is Henry Edmondson. And apparently he was so terrible that the governor pardoned him just to get him out of Wyoming. Whoa. That seems like not the right approach. At all. <laughs> but At okay. All. Um, so there were four types of like main four main types of work that prisoners did throughout the years at this prison. So originally when the prison was built, they also built a prison broom factory and prisoners would build brooms. Um, during a riot, the factory got burned down. So when they rebuilt it, it became a shirt factory. So people then started making shirts. Mm -hmm. And then in the 1930s, they changed the shirt factory into a wool mill. And here's a fun fact. They use this wool mill. The prisoners would make woolen blankets and they were making blankets at the time for World War II soldiers, and they did so well on these blankets. They were, like, such top-tier quality that apparently um, they won the Navy E, or the Battle Effectiveness Award, which is something that, like, only sailors win. Oh. Um, they ended up winning that year instead for, for keeping the soldiers warm, which is ironic because they were probably fucking freezing in their own cells. Dark horse coming in hot. Yeah. So, uh, and then 20 years later, the, uh, Wyoming frontier prison instead made license plates, I guess. Cause after the war, they didn't have a use say, for the blankets. I feel like that ultimately ends up being the most common thing they make in prisons. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the stereotype at least yeah, that I yeah, know. Yeah. Um, so in 1981, the jail finally closed. Ooh, I'm going to sneeze. Hang on. Nope. I announced it. So it's not true. You jinxed it. I know. So in 1981, the jail finally closed. And six years later, it was actually used as a filming location for the movie Prison. Mm -hmm. On the nose. <laughs> Great. Um, and apparently there was so much significant damage from filming uh, that this might have been one of the reasons that... Uh, they started thinking about preserving the prison because they were like, oh, people can just come in here and fuck this place up. Oh, no. So a year later, the jail was renamed to the Wyoming Frontier Prison. I think for a while it was called the Wyoming Frontier Prison at Rollins or a longer name. Um, so they renamed it in 1988 and it became a museum under the Old Penn Joint Powers Board, which was basically their preservation society. Okay. And uh, they also offer guided prison tours now. They do ghost tours. They offer paranormal investigations. I don't know if this is year round or it might just be during like October. I feel like any historical area that does ghost tours, sometimes it's a limited seasonal experience. Right. Um, but overall, there were um, just under 14,000 inmates who were incarcerated here. And the prison is now on the National Registry of Historic Places. Nice. As for the deaths, uh, which I feel like I'm about to like enter into <laughs> my stupid body. Um, <laughs> oh God, you're falling apart. I really feel like I'm like hanging on by like some really loose screws. <laughs> 
Um, as for the deaths, I mentioned earlier that several guards were killed on the property. Um, I think one of them also died by suicide. Mm. And several inmates died here. Around 200 are said to have died here from either disease, dying by suicide, from uh, inmate violence, and of course, executions. Oof. So as for the violence, I just wanted to give you one example of how wild the violence was here. You already um, gave me one. Do I need another? Yeah. Okay. Because this one really threw me. Apparently, there was one inmate who took another inmate's skin and turned nope. it into a pair of shoes. No, thank you. And then he won the Naval E Award for right. <laughs> Battle Effectiveness. Yeah. Yikes. That's fucking scary. That's like some Ed Gein shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't know if he wore them or if he just made it for fun. I, it doesn't matter. I, he still made someone into shoes. Horrifying. Um, And then, so that's just to let you know that like th- this penitentiary was originally built and continued to be for the worst of the worst, at least in one of the cell blocks. I think cell block C ended up being max security because up until 1966, everyone was just together. And I Mm. think even the guards were like, we didn't think this through that. Like there are some people here who don't need to be next to maximum security prisoners. In 1906, the, uh, which by the way, this prison was built in 1901. So very quickly, uh, to house some of the more difficult inmates, aka the more violent inmates, the dungeon house was built. Great. And here, there's only one source I could find that had this, but apparently in the dungeon house, there was a sensory deprivation room. No. That did you, it was total pitch blackness, uh, and you were not allowed to lie down ever. No. There. Also in the dungeon, there was the punishment pole. Oh my God where people would be handcuffed to it and whipped with rubber hoses. Oh, my God. Um, in 1912, wow, 1912 has been mentioned a lot, the big year for this prison. Um, this is when the executions began, um, especially once the prison finished building its death house. Oh, my God. Which was uh, six death row cells, I think at, maybe at first, and then maybe it grew, I'm not sure. But... There were six death row cells uh, in what is called death house. And originally the executions held here were public and mm-hmm. they were via hanging. But then very quickly they moved to uh, a different execution. So in 1912, the executions began only four years later. Uh, it went from, they went from doing public hangings to having private executions in the now built execution chamber. Oh, yay, yay. Um, nine men were hanged, uh, but the first two of them were not just hanged normally, whatever that means. They were hanged on Julian gallows. Do you know what Julian gallows are? No, and I'd prefer not to find out. So apparently this was a Wyoming creation. Oh, good um, for you. It's, <laughs> you did it, W-Y. So, um... It's not used anymore. I think very quickly they were like, this is inhumane. Um, (laughs) This is an inhumane way to murder someone, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Well, you said it. You said it. You said it. Um, So I think at first they thought it was more humane for the executioner. And also it was... For the executioner? Because it took away the guilt of them having to kill a person. (laughs) Um, 
So it was also cost efficient because it didn't have to pay an executioner. What is it? So the Julian Gallows, it essentially had the prisoners kill themselves. Oh, God. Um, I don't, if I'm not explaining it right, I do have a video of it. No, if you would, absolutely. No, 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 not like of someone actually dying, but like it's like in a museum now. Um, but uh, if I'm not explaining it right, I can show you the video of like how it worked because I do a demonstration with it. But so you're standing on a platform with a noose around your neck and the platform um, next to the platform is a bucket filled with water. Oh that's God. slowly emptying out no and, which makes the empty bucket as it's getting empty it's rising and when it rises it knocks this lever and the lever is what opens a trap door that you're standing on so then the victim falls is this through. some mouse trap shit yeah it felt like mouse trap like there was like a like a, a rube goldberg situation this is horrific oh so i see what you're saying so there is no set executioner yeah it's oh, like boy. it's like you're just standing on a platform that happens to be a trapdoor, and only when the water bucket empties is when the trapdoor will open. So no one else has to physically move the trapdoor, but someone has to physically fill the bucket with water. To I was empty, thinking so. that I was like, and has to hang it there and say, okay, I put a hole in it. Like, mm-hmm. but here's the thing: the Julian Gallows wouldn't always drop quickly enough, and so it was very easy for the trapdoor to just for the trapdoor to just slowly move so you're not having a quick snap of the neck Hain- you are stra- yeah. you're strangling yourself heinous um and that was the i think the first two I, uh, this story was all dependent on the sources because some sources said it was all julian gallows some just said it was the first two and then the next seven of the nine were like a normal hanging whatever that means um I don't know how many people were stuck with the Julian Gallows, but it was at least two. Too many. And only four of the nine apparently died from their neck quickly being snapped, which means five of them had to die by strangulation. (sighs) Okay. Um, Which means they were certainly suffering. And hangings were the standard execution there until 1936. um, And then... Instead, they were like, that's too inhumane. Let's build a gas chamber. I knew it was next. I knew it. And I saw, again, on one source that this was like the country's first gas chamber. I don't know if it was like just the first gas chamber in a prison or something, but I I looked it up because I didn't believe it. And there was something about Nevada 10 years earlier. So I don't know, or Nevada 10 years earlier. So um, I don't Mm. know if it was the first or not, but it was probably one of the first. Wyoming is just like, oh, just like playing loosey goosey here with like their inventions and their, I don't know why I'm mad at Wyoming right now, but I'm like, oh, wow, good for you. You built a water, a mousetrap hanging gallows, and now you're a. They had nothing going on. They were a brand new state. They were like, I guess we can make whatever fucking rules we want. I guess we have $2 million to spend. Yeah, and then it'll still take us 13 years and we'll forget heating. So, <laughs> oops. <laughs> um, so the standard execution was hangings until 1936. And then from 1936 until 1965, which means my mother was in preschool when they finally said the gas chamber is too much. Oof. And only, shockingly, in uh, 30 years, only five men died by gas chamber, which, like, I know it's still five lives, but I'm amazed it wasn't a bigger number. Well, and and just from a logistical standpoint, like, you built this whole contraption. Yeah, for five uh, moments. It's just strange. It's like, why are you making this so complicated? I mean, 
anyway yeah i see what you're saying it is kind of weird idea how about we just don't kill anyone i you know, feel like that's, that's a little much zero dollars you're taking it a little too far zero dollars america saved it all okay uh so one of the five who died by gas chamber uh he was the last one and i think also the youngest one to die by gas chamber his name was andrew pixley and apparently you should cover him he was apparently well i don't know if you should because children are involved but he was known to be one of if not the worst killer in wyoming oh okay well i just bookmarked the page so or his like wikipedia so i'll do some digging later I will say his victims were two children. Okay. Um, and also super creepy. He, um, in his cell, carved pictures of them into the walls of his cell. No. And he would call them his guardian angels. No, 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 no. He was not right. Um, he also took the longest to die of any inmate. Um and I guess one of the one of the tour guides of the jail even said apparently there's like apparently there's a saying in you know morbid fucked up world where the more evil you are or it takes evil longer to die and so I guess because he was the worst killer the tour guides are not surprised that it took him the longest to die in the gas chamber so um he It took him seven minutes in the gas chamber to die, which is twice as long as anybody else. And he laughed the whole time. Ugh! Ew. So, allegedly. That was from one source, but that was a pretty it's spooky creepy source. enough. Yeah. Yuck. So um, that's uh, the deaths and that we know of. But I mean, think of how many people there was. Uh, uh, there was a guard who was killed and then thrown down the stairs i mean there was a lot of violence in this prison it lasted from 1981 or from 18 it was an 80 year old prison so just imagine how much violence was sure there as for the ghosts the hot spots include the shower and the death row area obviously um in the shower people hear crying they see wet footprints that have walked out of the shower Mm -hmm. i hate that Mm -hmm. um I don't know how detailed I want to get into this. Um, so I'm going to, for your sake. So I'm just going to say people see a black cat wandering the prison. Um, who he was murdered here. Okay. Um, and so they see him near the cells and they also see him, especially near the uh, gas chamber. So in the chamber, people hear footsteps. They hear laughing. Apparently, people have also heard young girls crying, and that's thought to be Andrew Pixley's victims. Oh, geez. Um, in I don't know if this was Andrew Pixley's cell, but in one of the cells, they I guess they light candles during the ghost tour for certain cells. And in his, uh, the candle will turn itself off and relight itself. Ew. Uh, and it will also sometimes burn brighter than everyone else's, or it will fade more than others, or it will stay straight while the rest of them flicker. Um, people also catch orbs and apparitions on their cameras, including a full-bodied spirit uh, in the chapel who is just standing there, and you can mm-hmm. very clearly see its legs. Um, they also hear voices talking to each other in the cells. People have thought a full conversation was happening in some cells, uh, and people have gotten EVPs such as, help me and give me a cigarette. Um, help me also, give me a cigarette yeah please god same same person was, same sentence yeah <laughs> people feel something dark and threatening in a lot of the cells especially near death row they will also feel um anxiety and chest pressure um when they go into death row uh tour guides say that you feel like 
they feel like when they're telling stories to a tour uh, tour group, they feel like they shouldn't be telling the stories Ooh. like someone's watching them. That's kind of freaky. I hate that where yeah. they, they feel like they should shut up. That's weird. Ugh. They also say that things walk by in the corner of their eye, including the apparition of a man and a brimmed hat hanging near the gallows. He is seen through reflections. Wait, hanging or like hanging out? I think hanging out. Oh, I thought you meant like um, hanging, like... Well, speaking of hanging, there uh, have been a few people who say that they have witnessed the residual haunting of the scene of Frank Wigfall being hanged by inmates in Oof. the second walkway, um, the guy who killed the pie lady. Yeah. And people say that they have just watched the whole scene happen of oh my God. spirits hanging another spirit with a rope. Holy so, shit. Um, there is an episode of Ghost Adventures on here. Um, <laughs> And this was actually not uh, one of their super duper best episodes. I, I'm never a fan of when they go to multiple locations in one episode. So they only covered this prison and showed like maybe 10 minutes of footage. Do you feel like that? I mean, just because you've, I was going to say you've watched more of the show than I have, but that might not be true because when I was making my pregnancy announcement video, I watched probably 60 episodes in a row. But do you feel like the, uh, when they do that, like multiple places is do you think that's because they don't get enough content or do you think they probably they have to plan this in advance though right like i think maybe I, I mean honestly i would just assume they just didn't i mean i don't i think it's like not visually as fun but i wouldn't like particularly blame the ghost adventures crew for moments like that i think the producers find out about another haunted location nearby and maybe try to kill two birds one stone with their oh, budget oh okay like while they're i see yeah yeah, I think maybe, sense. I mean, if I were a producer and I was trying to think of how to be smart, smart with my money, maybe I would think best case scenario, we get such good footage at both places. We get two episodes by accident for the price of one. So, and then maybe neither of them like really worked out. So they just clump them together in one episode. I don't totally know. Huh? Interesting. Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't, maybe they just didn't get a lot of stuff. I don't know. Um, but they did get one thing and that's Zach Bagan saying this quote. Oh, God. About every 30 seconds, someone rips a fart. That's when you get, that's what you get when you have four guys sitting in an RV in a stakeout. All you hear is crunch, 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 fart, fart, fart. But I didn't fart. <laughs> <laughs> um, Why? And then, we, and then we start with a real winner, which is my, it's always one of my favorite shots when Zach Bagans is wearing sunglasses inside. Oh, um, God, help me. And, because there wasn't a lot of um, info or a lot of footage from this location, it actually worked out well for me because instead of having to watch a 45-minute episode, I got to watch like a 20-minute episode. <laughs> That's true. Um, but uh, the tour, basically one of the tour guides he talked to said that he has seen a full black apparition of a man uh, in the hallway and the guy thought uh, the tour guide thought that this man had broken in so he shouted hey and apparently the shadow looked at him like he clearly got his attention Ew. and when the tour guide was going after him saying you can't be in here he vanished <gasps> and interestingly zach then interviews another tour guide who had the exact same experience without ever having met the other tour guide. oh that's weird um also this is where i <sighs> love to judge Zach, but then also since we're talking about producers, I feel like a producer made him do this. And, 
but uh however you want to see it go for it but zach checks out the gallows where people died and he literally stands where they did and puts the noose around his neck and oh then stares my. solemnly out the window oh um, what? he stares out the window he Why? stares out the window and he thinks about how this was the last thing they saw while okay. he has the noose around their neck and okay, so um okay. again i don't know if that was his call or if this was a producer who is not aware of how tasteless that is and um, i mean i'll be honest uh, made a creative call eva would never do this but as our producer if she said can you stand here and put a noose on your neck and look solemnly out the window i could say i would say no thank you uh <laughs> yeah so even if a producer's like do this like especially in the have especially to. in the tv world because he's an executive producer of his own show yeah, he can determine what he does like doesn't the do. star of it i feel like no one can really make you do that but whatever. I guess I know, I know, I know, I know. I just I I don't know whose call it was, but it Wasn't got a great ran one. with. It got ran with. Um, and then they hear a male voice in the stairwell. They see balls of light. Something grabs Nick's head. Aaron uses the spirit box, and when he asks, "Should I be nervous?" the spirit box says, "Yup." <laughs> and then, um, and then this one, this part was super spooky to me. Um, the so billy hears and sees someone walking around the cell block he's like convinced he just saw someone walking past him uh-huh. um even though he's completely alone in the prison and he follows it to the stairwell which is a stairwell that someone died on and right after billy says uh i swear i saw someone go in there you can see from the view of a camera of the the camera pointing at the stairwell picks itself up and gently puts itself on the floor huh which was super weird because he was in, he was in a super haunted space he had just saw someone walk by and then when he uh, says it out loud i swear i just saw someone saw someone go in here in that moment then the camera in that haunted spot lifts itself up off the tripod and puts itself on the floor and was like no no one can see me now it's like you saw nothing actually you saw nothing um Ooh. and in case anyone cares uh this is season seven episode 12 unless you're watching it on discovery where it is season eight episode 12 and it's the 33 minute mark so anyway that's the wyoming <gasps> frontier prison good job em thank you you've been doing you've been doing some stuff lately i'm like oh I'm that's like, nice of you to say i like the i just like the uh i just really like the hauntings you know they just really i know they, they get me good I've been trying to do more hauntings, but I got to be honest, I've been doing a few hauntings in a row now, I think. So I might I might find myself a little alien story soon. Do a little alien. Alien's always getting, good, too. I'm getting a, a, a fix. I need a fix for my alien stories. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. 
Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, so I have a story for you today. Um, this one's kind of creepy. It's the murder of Lucille Johnson, a.k.a. the Legos murder. What in the world? Well, I will tell you, anytime I've stepped on a Lego, it felt like I was dying. You'd, so good, Goodbye, cruel yeah. world. <laughs> so if that's the whole story where Lucille stepped on a Lego and that was it, that's a, that's a great quick story. It had ups and downs. We can that's all it. relate. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there, there is uh, that stage of parenting I have not reached yet. I've done that definitely as a child and it fucking sucks, but I have not reached the stage of parenting where there are Legos kind of scattered about and I am risking my foot foot's life every day. So once I get there, I may take back what I said earlier in this episode about how easy, breezy, fun, awesome this whole parenting thing is. I feel like... yeah. It- yeah, but not, the second Leona hits uh, Lego stage, I will be wearing shoes inside your house everywhere, <laughs> just in case. I, it's not a bad idea. I'll be honest. Um, okay, so the episode that I watched on this uh, was on Investigation Discovery. Um, you can watch it on Discovery Plus, and it's called Scene of the Crime with Tony Harris, and I love oh. Tony Harris. He is this like very suave, 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 suave this very suave uh like journalist and he just has like investigative journalist he has this way of like asking questions without seeming like smarmy i don't know i just love him um and so he just like delves into this he goes and sees the evidence he goes and talks to the people sees the scene of the crime like he's just very uh fun to watch so i definitely recommend that episode um i also listened to a podcast called this is the place uh this is also uh, some information from ksl.com in the Arizona Republic. But the story itself takes place in Salt Lake City, or more specifically, a suburb of Salt Lake called Holiday. Oh. 
And this is about Lucille Johnson. Uh, she was 78 years old. She was a caring, loving mother. She's also a grandmother um, living in Holiday, Utah. And when her husband died, she lived alone but was extremely independent. So despite being 78, she like gardened every day. She even helped the elderly neighbors in her neighborhood. So she would like go help even older Precious. people. I know. She's very sweet. Bring them flowers. Bring them food. Like just help around the neighborhood. She was just one of those people where – Everyone described her as just like the gentlest, most giving person. Um, and she was very independent despite being 78. She lived alone. And her kids weren't really worried about her because she was so independent. Um, her daughter, Shirley, talked to her on the phone every day. Um, every day after work, Shirley called her and chatted with her. And then on February 1st, 1991... Shirley had spoken to her mom as usual, and her mom was telling her about her day, said she had gone to the senior center to get help with her car, and that they'd help her, uh, they had helped her take her car in to get repaired uh, at the auto repair shop, and then she had gotten a ride home. So that was what she had done that day. Shirley was on her way home from work and decided, you know what, I'm going to pick up some pizzas, I'm going to pick up a pizza for my family, and I'm going to pick, pick up a pizza for my mom and drop it off at her house. But weirdly, as she's on her way to her mom's, she's about to turn down her mom's street and she just suddenly has this thought. And the thought is, you know, it's getting late. Just go home, be with your kids and go see mom in the morning. Oh. And so she's like, it just kind of overtook me that I had like second thoughts about going there. So she, she just wanted to be home, be with her family. So she weird. skipped stopping at her mom's. Very weird. Went home and pretty much had dinner and passed out. And the next morning, the first thing she did was get up and go to see her mom. Unfortunately, she finds her mother laying on the floor of her house with a pillow over her face. <gasps> and there is blood everywhere. Like everywhere. Oh, my God. Really horrific. So her immediate thought, because, I mean, understandably, your brain wouldn't, your brain would be trying to figure out what's going on without yeah, really knowing how to fill in the blanks. So her immediate thought was, oh, she must have injured herself and been bleeding profusely and was trying to use a pillow to stop the bleeding on her way to the bathroom. Oh, like that was okay. her first thought. Yeah. And so she called 911 and they asked if Shirley knew CPR, but she said like, no, it doesn't matter because she's dead. There's no way CPR would oh. do anything. She's definitely gone. And ooh, I still get goose cam when reading this part. Um, Ooh, it gives me the creeps. So they asked her to describe the scene. She described the blood. She described the pillow on her mom's face, still not really totally getting what was going on. And the dispatch quietly and calmly said, ma'am, are you sure you're alone in the house? <gasps> Forget it. <sighs> I have goose cam just for like the millionth time hearing that. It, it creeps me the fuck out. And hearing her tell that, on the episode is like so chilling because she you can tell she's still just so gripped with fear about that moment so she said that was a moment she knew uh, her mother had been murdered and she had been trying to piece this together as an accident and she knew at that moment that her mother had been murdered um so she was interviewed like i said in the id episode and she said that the phrase are you alone in the house has haunted her for years and to this day she can't be alone in her house she just mm. needs somebody to be there understandably yeah 
Um, so Lieutenant Manny Lassig was the first officer on the scene. And in the episode, he described finding Lucille's body at the end of the hall, just as Shirley had described. The pillow was still over her face. She had been savagely beaten. Um, there was a lot of trauma to her head and chest. There was blood pooled under her head, blood spatter throughout the hallway to indicate oh that there had God. been a struggle. Like it was extremely violent. Um, the pillow of her face was also soaked with blood and her head had been struck multiple times. And they found a man's footprint on her chest as if someone had stomped on her. <gasps> oh, my God. It's really brutal. Um, and that kick or stomp or whatever it was had broken eight of her ribs. Holy shit. Yeah. So, okay, this is, like, significantly personal. This is aggressive and brutal. And... There were some items missing from the house. Uh, there was a designer purse, some rings, and so they figured robbery was a potential motive. Uh, the storm door had been left open and was unlocked, and discoverers also noticed that a set of Legos had been scattered all over the floor as if they had been played with. Oh. Isn't that creepy? Okay. Yeah, that's super creepy. It's like someone with a kid came to kill her. Creepy, right? Yeah. And, like, kept the kid busy while... <laughs> Play with the... these Legos. Yeah. Uh, you may be onto something anyway. Uh-huh. But other valuables, like an expensive necklace and wallet, like her wallet was still there. So they were kind of confused about this. And according to Shirley, uh, the daughter, if Lucille was in the house, that storm door was always locked. Like there was no way it would have been left unlocked. Um, so, so it's definitely someone she knew. Exactly. So and it no was also extra personal because they didn't try to steal any of her shit. They just wanted to kill her. Well, they stole some of her shit. But not. I thought I thought you said her wallet was still there and everything. Yeah, but so a designer purse was missing, uh, and oh. some rings. Some rings were missing, so some jewelry and a designer purse. But the wall, her wallet was still there. So and and uh, an expensive necklace. So they didn't do a very thorough robbery. I guess is maybe the better way to put it. Sure. Um. So yeah, like you said, it must be someone she knew because she would have, or at least trusted enough to open the door for them. Yeah. So Lucille's injuries, like you said, also suggested this was a personal attack because, again, she's 78. It doesn't take much to subdue a 78-year-old woman. And yet she had multiple skull fractures, eight broken ribs, and was attacked over and over again. I mean, this was clearly overkill. Uh, and it looked as though the motive could have been either anger or revenge. Um, they really weren't sure. So Lucille's family held a really beautiful funeral service for her. Um, many people came to pay their respects and help comfort her family. Um, her son, who was interviewed in the episode, who's now uh, his mother's age in his 70s, um, said that he still listens to the tape, the recording of that funeral, because it was just so beautiful to hear people talk about his mom. And Aww. so that was a really sweet moment. Um, but the whole time during this funeral, Shirley is looking around like, could somebody here have been the one to do this because this was such a personal attack. And so as much as the funeral was touching, it was also like she was on edge because she thought maybe somebody here knows something or was involved. That being said, one of the first people they zeroed in on was a relative and he was a nephew of Lucille's. So, Lucille and her nephew had a shared interest in genealogy. They collected family photos. They did a lot of work building up their family tree. And so he had spent a lot of time with Lucille in her home. And he had recently been financially struggling. So she had sort of taken him in and helped him with money. And 
Shirley's note about this is that she remembers her mom at one point saying she was tired of constantly being expected to give her nephew money over and over again. And she told Shirley she couldn't keep this up and she was going to cut him off. And that was one week before she was murdered. Hmm. So. Wow. Okay. That is a big red flag. That'll do it. And he loved Legos. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was Too like, they, they both had a shared interest in Legos? Playmobil? No. Right, yeah. What was your what was your German one that you got me the was a Playmobil? Playmobil, yeah. <laughs> was Duplo also oh, Duplo, German? Duplo is German. I think that's the Playmobil like for littler kids. Like that's like the uh-huh. or Lego for little kids. It's like the big blocks. Yeah. yeah. We had gotcha. Duplo and Playmobil and Lego. I had I guess. got a combo of all three we when did I was too. little. Just we did too. all kind of scattered. I never about. got that into Playmobil, but I like I went to the toy store the other day and I was like, wow, this Playmobil stuff is fun. Like there's like I kinda hope Leanne is into Playmobil because there's so many fun little like I mean, Lego's cool too, but I don't know. Something about Playmobil is really fun to play with. I feel like, I feel like I, I, I never cared about like building anything, but I just loved the sets, and so I would just, yeah. I would just build them just to, f- and never like to play with the dolls to like then like act out a scene. I would literally like, I don't know, maybe someone can diagnose me with something, but I used to only care about the sets, not the people. And then once the set part was built, I would just sit there and stare at the, (laughs) at the rooms. And I would just imagine like a honey, I shrunk the kids moment. And I would just walk around in the set. Oh, that's cool. But I would do that for hours. Like there was so interesting. Cause like now you do your escape rooms, like you're still kind of in that I would, I it also it felt like that I would get the same um I don't know serotonin boost whenever I would go to um theme parks and walk around on that set or like if I went to a movie lot and walked around on the set I always I like putting myself in imaginary places. Oh that's places. really fun. Oh no, I don't think there's anything to diagnose. I feel like that's just a really cool imagination. Well, thank you, but also like my parents definitely thought it was weird that I had no interest in building with these things or playing with the things with faces. I just oh, want- I didn't play with those either. I never cared about the people. I always wanted to like, yeah, same, like design the inside of the house and stuff. Yeah, it it was very like Sims before its time, I guess. Of, right. Like, take the one background they gave you and and that's it. Honestly, I never had to even like set it up. If you just like gave me the fold out part and I just held it, I wouldn't even need the blocks and I would just stare at it for hours. I, I don't know if it's being an only child and that was how I entertained myself. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Just look at a fake park forever. <laughs> I like it. I mean, anyway, listen, there's worse things to do in your free time as so. a child. I guess uh, so. Anyway, sorry. TV? I'm just going to stare at this box for three hours. It was like, I had a blast. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like you did. I can tell. <laughs> Oh, boy. So anyway, this nephew is like the first uh, suspect here or at least a person of interest because he's been um, benefiting financially from his aunt and uh, she cut him off and then she was murdered. So not a good look for him. Um, What's more is the nephew called Shirley, uh, Lucille's daughter who found her body. The nephew called Shirley right after Lucille's death and said, quote, Shirley, I'm not calling to say I'm sorry. I have my own feelings to deal with. But oh. there are things in that house that belong to me, and I want to be there when you clean it out. Uh-huh. So not a great look, once again. Yeah, that's not cute. So at this point, they're like, holy shit, 
we think one of our relatives did this. Could it be? Is it possible? She even said at the funeral, she tried to give him a hug and he was like a brick wall. Like he wouldn't react or respond to her. So she was just very weirded out by this whole thing. Um, He did have an alibi that he was at home, but like that couldn't be verified by anybody. uh, And he had a financial motive. But so they tried to figure out how to prove this. And what they did was they tested the shoe print that was like on her chest and matched it to the nephew's shoes and foot size, and it was not a match. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Dun, okay. dun, dun. So basically now they're back to square one because that was the only lead they had, and they had no suspects, and the case basically went cold for 22 years. 22 years? Oh, my God. Wow. I know. I thought you were going to say, like, 22 minutes, and then Tw- someone had an epiphany. 22 minutes. <laughs> Like 22 yeah, no. years jesus so what year is it now when something so it's, happens it's now 2013 whoa yeah a big jump in time here uh the case got renewed interest uh thanks to federal funding utah's cold cases were now being revisited with modern forensics um and nowadays very small amounts of dna can be used to identify an individual um you know when this murder occurred back in the day uh in what year did i say it was 91 um you know dna was just a very new concept as far as like uh solving crimes so they were able to go back and reopen the case and revisit it and thankfully they still had biologic samples from the scene of the murder um, and they thank god had been preserved properly because there's nothing more infuriating to me when you're watching like the show and they're like we can finally solve it and it's like oops we lost all the blood or like oops we accidentally threw the t-shirt in the trash and accidentally bled all over it Uh oh i sneezed on it oopsies exactly it's like so infuriating or like oh they just lost it and it's like what do you mean they lost it what do you mean so thank god this evidence was all preserved and they had a number of things they could test so her shoes the pillow over her face which was saturated in blood uh, and her shirt which was covered in blood and they pulled all this out during the show which was very kind of unsettling like they had her shirt and you could see the blood on it Um, just really disturbing yeah that's Um, really sobering it is and the shirt still had like the boot print on it that you could (gasps) see oh my god yeah yeah and they had also thankfully thought ahead and they had clipped her fingernails. Uh, oh. And, and so now they're able to see if uh, there's DNA under her fingernails, you know, that came from yeah. during the struggle. Yeah. So they also thought the pillow may have had some sort of DNA left behind by the killer if he was holding it uh, on her face. So they sent the pillowcase and the fingernail clippings in and then they just had to wait. My least favorite activity. Yeah. <laughs> So lo and behold, the following February, they get a letter from the Department of Public Safety to notify them that they had indeed found DNA under Lucille's fingernails that was not hers. Hey. So they ran it through CODIS and they got a match. And it was a family member. The DNA belonged to not a family member. But to an Arizona resident named John Edward Sansing, who was currently sitting on death row for the murder of a different woman named Trudy Calabrese in 1998. What? Okay. How'd they know each other? Okay. Let me tell you. So let me first tell you what happened to Trudy, the murder that he's on sure. he's on death row for. So February 24th of 1998, John Sansing had requested a food box from the local church to help feed his family. So 41-year-old Trudy Calabrese took a box of food over to his home. When she delivered the food, she turned to leave, and he grabbed her from behind. She was bound and assaulted, and then he stabbed her repeatedly in the abdomen (gasps) with a knife. Oh, my God. (sighs) Then he 
bought some drugs with her jewelry, then dragged her body into the backyard and shoved it between a shed and a wall where she laid until basically like the trash out next to where the trash was until officers found her body the following day. So, oh my God. So senselessly brutal and horrific, but it gets worse because disturbingly, John's wife, Kara, knew this was going on as it happened. And not only was she home, but their young children were home too during this whole event. Wait, what? His wife knew that he was killing people? Yes. His wife knew that he was killing this woman. She was in on it. And not only was she home during this whole event watching it happen, but the kids were home as well. Oh, my God. In fact, Sansing's nine-year-old daughter told officers her daddy killed the church lady who came to their home to bring them free food. (gasps) Wow. Like, it also... So, I see a connection between those two women that they were both just very kind and helpful. Yes, precisely. Like, being taken advantage of. And when asked by police whether the woman said anything, this is disturbing, the girl nodded and replied, she said, God, just help me. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so fucked up. It makes me so mad that some people have kids. It's, like, so twisted. So the kids told police they had heard their parents planning to rob the church lady the day before. So, like... Oh, shit. So this was fully thought out. All premeditated. Yeah. And the wife was fully like part of this plan so uh john sansing went to death row for that murder and his wife kara went to prison for life for her role in the murder so now investigators had to figure out how he how his dna basically got under lucille's fingernails yeah oh also before we jump onto it i also want to say like there's probably a large chance he's killed other people if like like, there's no way we think there's no way we happen to perfectly catch him on both of them isn't that that, i had the same thought because the first one happened in 91 the second in 98 and it's like yeah i think he did something in between those other seven years and and for it to be so brutal i feel like it required practice which i hate to say but like i feel like you don't just start you don't just start by kicking someone's ribs in one time and breaking eight of them and then just no uh no hesitation nothing just like yeah oh, it's fine this is just what we do here which i mean it's possible but yeah i would agree yeah. that i would bet there's more to this Oy. story so police spoke with sansing's wife kara the one who had gone to prison for life and she told them that he had worked at a car deal- dealership in salt lake city near lucille's home back in the early 90s so remember how i said lucille had gone to take her car in for repairs the day mm-hmm. that she was killed so oh okay that's probably where the connection was so it gets weirder it gets weirder uh investigators still had one piece of evidence they hadn't fully understood until now which was the legos mm-hmm So they had sent these Legos in for fingerprint analysis, um, and the analysis had come back showing a small child's fingerprints. Aha. Could it have been one of those two kids who witnessed the other murder, too? The fingerprints clinched the case because they were the fingerprints of John Sansing's five-year-old son. Aha. Well, I'll do it. So you called it earlier when you said someone came with their kids. Which, like, and I... I couldn't be surprised by that information when you just told me about a second murder he caused while his children watched. Were like, there, right. Which now makes me wonder, like, how many murders did it take f- for you to do in front of your kids before they got used to this? Or before are they, they just were so like, unaware? oh, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just tragic. Um, investigators finally figured out how John Sansing had gotten into the house. He had used his five-year-old son as bait. So Ugh. he had... Brought him to Lucille's door, gaining her trust so she would let them inside. And then, as John Sansing brutally murdered Lucille, he kept his five-year-old son busy in the other room playing with Legos. 
and think about it like that was a struggle that was a loud violent struggle yeah like the kid kid's... definitely heard yeah it's not like he has no idea what's going on in the other room and or so... also if there's that much blood in that yeah. room yeah daddy was covered in blood for blood. sure yeah you're totally right and, and the he... kid was like whatever and then he took the weapon with him too so it's like this kid saw a lot a lot um so as uh after a 23-year investigation john sansing finally pleaded guilty to murdering lucille and although he was already on death row he received an additional life life sentence for lucille's murder and you know tony my friend on uh investigation discovery yeah 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 he interviewed him in prison and uh actually got some more details about the story so i'm going to tell you kind of what was asked and what uh John Sansing shared. Yeah. So he confirmed that that morning she had brought her car in for service and he worked at the car dealership and had given her a ride home. This woman is 78 years old. It's like so disturbing to me. Uh, but he gave he, her a ride home? Yeah, because she took her car in to be oh, repaired. So he So then he now knows off. her address and all Precisely. this. Precisely. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Trying to be a good Samaritan or pretending to be a good Samaritan. Oh, right, right, right. He said it seemed like she may have had money or jewelry by just looking at her, looking at her house. And so he pinned her as a target for robbery. He told her he had his young kids in town and would love for her to meet them. And she was so excited to be able to, like, meet his little kids. And he seemed sweet. So he brought them to her house. She let them in with the hopes of getting to know the little kids. And uh, apparently he had not just brought his five-year-old son. He'd also brought his wife and his daughter so everybody oh, so, is over there at this Yeah. so so the wife is also involved in two uh-huh. murders then okay uh-huh. wow i don't know why I'm, i keep being surprised i know okay. me too but it's like this is a family affair um unfortunately so he asked if he could use her restroom she said yes he went into the bathroom uh and while he was away from her he snuck out went into several rooms looking for things to steal but then she caught him so supposedly he panicked then grabbed her in a bear hug that's a quote brought her to the ground and then hit her over and over again with a crystal vase oh shit but also i'm like i know we talked about this earlier but like it seemed so brutal and personal yeah but like maybe he's just a fucking sicko i don't know i don't know i mean especially like when you think about like that he didn't steal, like, her credit card or anything. I mean, I know, like, he stole, like, a designer purse and all that. But in my mind, if you're not taking someone's wallet, I feel like you're you're missing out on easy cash. You're missing out on yeah, it seems a credit so... card or a, a social security number. Like, I feel like it was sloppily done, which I, I feel like if, agree. if you came over to rob her, then either yeah. you're just a bad robber or you really didn't plan on killing or her. Or it wasn't and about so, the robbery even. Like maybe it yeah. was just about killing her. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Or maybe he didn't mean to kill her and then he got so flustered he forgot to keep keep robbing her. I don't know. Yeah, maybe the maybe the the killing like threw him off. But also like why was it so brutal? Like he kept smashing the vase in her head. He, he broke her ribs. Yeah, he must like, have snapped. I don't know it's so weird it's like what the hell why is it so brutal if if he barely even knew this woman (sighs) oh Um, my god this poor woman i know it's really really disturbing um so when tony brought up the fact that john's kids were in the other room because like hello okay it's not like normal (laughs) like yeah it's like the guy gets so taken aback that this is even being brought up he gets extremely defensive and this is what he says quote 
You're trying to make me say that just because I'm a criminal, they're a criminal. But that ain't true. They're in prison for what they've done, not what I've done to them or what our past is like. It's what they chose to do that got them in trouble. Oh, what now? And indeed, the little boy that had witnessed both murders and potentially more, who left his fingerprints on the Legos at Lucille's house, grew up to have an extensive criminal record himself. And this is just so tragic to me. It's like such a cycle of abuse and neglect and trauma. I was going to say like... It's horrible. I'm not trying to say like it wasn't a criminal's fault for being a criminal, but fucking hello. like You just see the cycle of it. It's like fucking sad. And for the dad to be like, that had nothing to do with me. It's like... Are you kidding? Nothing. You made him think that murder's fucking normal. What that are you talking like just about? it's like the way to get by. It It's so wow. sick to me and it just makes me ill. And like the amount of trauma in this situation, I can't even begin to grasp. Um, so according to the dad, it had absolutely nothing to do with his upbringing. This is just happens to be the path his son has chosen for himself. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Super fucked up. Um, so this is kind of the last note here. Lucille's son, John, who is, like I said, is now close to his mom's age when she passed away, says he believes closure is forgiveness and he has forgiven John Sansing for murdering his mother. His sister, Shirley, the one who found their mother's body, says she doesn't think she'll ever feel safe alone at night again, but she no longer carries feelings of anger and believes her mother's positive family legacy is the most important thing she's left behind. And that's the story of the Salt Lake City Legos murder. Wow. I I wonder what happened with the nephew that they, like, all blamed for the murder. I know, like, he probably was like, fuck you guys, I'm out of here. Like, no, like, no wonder he, like, wouldn't hug her back. He's like, I know you told the police I might have something to do with yeah. this. Oh, oh my god. Oh, gosh. And, woof. I don't know woof. what to tell you, man. That That's a doozy. Isn't that, that one's a doozy. bizarre? I mean, the fact Interesting. that you were, you were like, oh, it sounds like someone brought their kids to the murder. Like, sometimes it really is just the most clear-cut thing like the oh, obvious kid was answer playing with legos in the other room it's exactly what happened it's always a weirdly perfect setup to me when it's just a random fucking person and like i don't mean perfect in a good way it's just like it yeah it really yeah. throws it really throws a wrench in any investigation because it's like you assume something that brutal had to be personal that it right totally like helps the killer get away because it's like i made it look so personal which like in in my mind like i like it freaks me out that there could be a killer out there where that's their mo of like making it look personal so you have no idea how random it is how random it is and like oh he went she went to get her car fixed but like that's all the information we had and it's like if thank god for dna uh evidence because if they hadn't properly preserved that or the fingerprint uh he would have gone away he would have just never at least with this crime yeah they would never have figured out who did it it's it's disturbing so i mean i'm glad at least there's that element of like down the road things can get solved even if right now they seem like unsolvable boy wow it also really freaks me out that like i'm nearly convinced for nothing but speculation that he has killed before honestly i had not thought about that until you said it during the episode and like i can't get that thought out of my head because again it's like total speculation and there's but like what are the odds that this man he was killing too well he was attacking too well unless maybe he had his own background of like seeing violence and so maybe he was just good at violence i don't know but it seems like you don't just walk into a situation the other part is that the second murder him but the second one 
he got caught like that day, like the next day. Like it wasn't like he did a good job. Like he got it almost, caught immediately. It also makes you feel like the first one was an accidental murder and he didn't have to think it through as much. Oh, but then like when all of a sudden he had to think out a murder, he was bad at planning. I don't know. Like, right. Well, and it also mentioned, you know, I don't know what their drug history was, but it did mention that he bought drugs with her jewelry. So who knows if drugs played a part. Oh yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's so hard to say, but either way really fucked Ooh. up oh my god well i got nothing the end. <laughs> <laughs> wow i didn't think i uh, calling it the lego killer or whatever is interesting because it feels like now in hindsight it's such a small piece to it the legos like murder i I may i may have just kind of i mean it is called that like on the episode but i feel like um but that is the part that clinched the case like yeah the fingerprint true. is the part that um kind of and it also makes it so much more fucked up because it me it proved that his kid was at her house yeah oh i wonder if lego felt like they had to put out a statement about that i really doubt it i, don't I really think doubt they it would too, ever want to draw attention to this that's true but can you imagine being like the creator of lego and hearing the story and then just going like like that's not good that's that's it's terrible but i mean at least their product holds a fingerprint well for hey you know what two years that's a, a ringing endorsement for Lego, I guess. That it, I should be their PR person. Definitely collects DNA, which is also why I think a lot of children get sick a lot because they're just playing with Legos I was gonna and say, grimy germs. That's pretty gnarly to say, oh, our toy uh, collects DNA. Yikes. Forensically, it's an excellent thing. Forensically, um, it's great news yeah, for all of us. Medically, wash them. <laughs> Yikes. Use some Purell. Oi, well... I don't know, man. That's a that was a brutal one. That it's one was doozy. That one got me good. Um, hmm. How do we end this? Where What are you up to for the rest of the day? Well, oh, you're gonna go play with Blaze. I'm gonna go hang out with Blaze. We'll probably go to the dog park and you know just enjoy his version of a Saturday. Um, and I guess oh, we still also have to do our little aftermath discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. The aftermath. I'm still trying to come up with a name for it on Patreon. <laughs> the, the the bonus you didn't want, but definitely get. <laughs> and did not ask for. Yeah. Did not ask for. <laughs> well, if you are a Patreon member, uh, hop on over and, and check out our, our extra bonus content that we will be recording after this. We'll see you there if you're not sick of us yet. And that's why we drink. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.